1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Game Coon Show. Live from our so Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 929 FM ESPN. We took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town. Baby.
2: Where did he be at when they said they're doing nah, out this Back in on the Game control show, 929 FM, ESPN, and on the line now is host of BetMGM Tonight. And Odyssey Sports Betting Insider Ryan Horvath on X at Ryan Horvath. Just one T. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the BetMGM Tonight podcast for more of Ryan's analysis. Ryan, what is happening, man? I I think we we, we, we have a shortage of what to talk about today. I don't know if we have enough.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is always one of my favorite weeks. I love wild card weekend, getting ready for it. But, man, I mean college football, I always talk about this, like college football never ends. It's it's nonstop. I mean, so much going on. And um, also you can't forget, obviously, about the NFL coaching. Chances. Right. But Nick Saban, I mean, I guess that was the most shocking thing. Bill Belichick, uh, done in New England. So yeah, we got quite a bit to talk about, I guess.
2: Yeah, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and yeah. Bill Belichick in a 24-hour period. It's just nuts. It's nuts to think about. And I think that, honestly, um, Bill Belichick and uh, Pete Carroll picked sort of the the worst time because Nick Saban eclipses the sun. So I really want to start there. Like Nick Saban, this is a void that is not soon going to be filled. Like this is, it was honestly, and I, I talked about this with people off air. It was an emotional day, kind of, in college football, seeing that he's going to step away from the game. You, you just you have to be reminded at some point that this guy still is. He's seventy two and he is mortal. He's not immortal. So it's just unbelievable to see a figure like that step away. It's seemingly still the top of his game. I thought this year was one of his best coaching jobs ever.
3: No, I completely agree. And, you know, I guess the more that you think about it, I guess it makes sense, though, because there were some telling signs. I mean, if you go back to the Tennessee game, he did a victory lap, and at the time I was thinking, what has they been doing? He's just going to beat him again next year anyway. So why is he doing the victory lap around the stadium right now? But. I guess because it was going to be the final time he was ever going to beat Tennessee. And, um, you know, he joined the game day crew. I think that that's probably his next move. I don't know, you know, if he's going to do it full time, but I definitely think he's probably going to do something in the broadcast booth because I don't think he's going to be able to just leave the game. You know, maybe he'll be like an advisor or whatever it looks like Pete Carroll's going to do. But, um, yeah, I was shocked. I thought he had a couple more years left because of what you just said. I thought this year was actually one of his better coaching jobs. That wasn't a great Alabama team. It was a good Alabama team. And they had a shot to beat Michigan, the national champions, in the college football playoff. Um, but it makes sense. You know, he's 73 years old. He has a bunch of grandkids um, and probably wants to be home a little bit more. And this is probably the perfect time to make that make the transition. But also, is it? I mean, Jalen Milrow, I love the jokes on social media. Like Nick Saban saw that he had to coach Jalen Milrow again <laughs> next season. decided to call right. it quit. I right. mean, he's going to be one of the favorites to win Heisman. You know, I mean, he's not the best passer. He could hit the deep ball. He could obviously use his legs. But, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, can't wait to see who ends up getting this right. job. I mean, it's obviously one of the better, if not the best job in the country, but also – look at the pressure that you're going to have. I mean, yep. we all see it on the fine show. Alabama loses the game. They go 10 and two. and people are calling for the head of Nick Saban. What happens if the next guy goes nine and three? What if there's a transition period where he goes, maybe eight and four one season in the sec, which is going to be loaded now with Texas and Oklahoma uh, making the switch. So I was shocked. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. I thought maybe just maybe it would be Dan Lanning, but it looks like he's obviously staying at Oregon. Um, Dabo makes complete sense, obviously, being an Alabama guy. I wouldn't want Dabo personally because <laughs> I won't adapt. And by you the know? way, have hey, you I seen
2: the have you seen the reaction from the fan base about a potential Dabo hire? Doesn't seem That makes me like yeah. uh, Alabama fans
3: a lot
2: more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Now I, I, I am listen, I have uh connections with Dan Lanning. Um he was the linebacker coach at the University of Memphis when Mike Norvell took over. Obviously he ended up Uh, Going to Georgia, D.C., all the way to Oregon. I've been around a lot of these coaches. Um, That was my number one guy, and I think that was really Alabama's number one guy. But he has so much that he can work with at Oregon. He can still get the great talent. He's still going to get the good contract. He has the connection with Phil Knight and the Nike money. So I think he's just saying, you know, grass is not greener on the other side. Let me go ahead and stay where the grass is already green in Oregon. Now, when it comes to my short list, I've gone sort of in this order. Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, and I think that Dabo should be uh, certainly on the outside uh, because it doesn't seem like Bama fans really like that thought. Um, where are you at? Where are you at with your sort of short list if you're, if you're looking at who should be the next coach at Alabama?
4: Yeah,
3: if I, I mean, I want, I would want Dan Lanning. Obviously, you can't have him now, but I mean, look at the way that he recruits. He's only 37 years old. He knows the SEC. He knows Kirby. He worked at Georgia. He knows Alabama. He was a GA there in 2015. Um, I know he's, he hasn't beat Kalen DeBoer, but that doesn't really matter. I think he eventually will if Kalen DeBoer ends up staying, but that would be my next guy. It would be Kalen DeBoer. I mean, and, Kaelin DeBoer I mean Washington was great this season but they had a bunch of the COVID seniors the super seniors you know what I mean Michael Penix is going to be gone all those NFL wide receivers are going to be gone it seems like the great a great time um to make the switch now to the SEC and I think he's a really damn good coach uh so that's who I would go after I like I said I would stay away from Dabo I don't think it's going to be Sark especially now with Quinn Ewers going back to Texas and I don't I don't know about Stark, man. Um, I worry about him in the big games. You saw it against Washington. They were averaging nine yards per carry, and yet he drops Quinn Ewers back 40-plus times. I just worry about him in those big-game situations. So, uh, for me, it will be Kalen DeBoer. You know, Lane makes complete sense if you trust that Lane's grown up enough to take over that program. But if you're Lane, man, this is probably your best shot to win an Ole Miss. You got Jackson Dart coming back. I know he's not for everybody, but I think he's at least a good college quarterback. he got a pretty good defense. So, for me... Probably Kalen DeBoer or Mike Norvell. I like Mike Norvell a lot. Um, I thought Florida State got it right with that hire. And then something that nobody's going to talk about. You know you know what I would consider? Um, and I can't believe I'm saying this because you know how I feel about Colorado and you know how I felt about that Dion situation. Man, but, like, what if you surround Dion with a bunch of smart people? I just think that he could go in any living room in the country, in the south. And he could – I mean, dude, he flipped Travis Hunter. Right? I understand,
2: and, but – And you I, get Shador. Uh, here's the thing, though, at Alabama, like the conversation should be about okay, it recruits itself. Do you really need like ace recruits? I don't. I, I I don't know. I I've seen the coach prime stuff. He's not. I don't think he's ready to take that type of job
3: on. I don't either. But man, <laughs> like I would rather have Shador than uh, Jalen Milrow. And so I was just thinking of the package deal and just think of like who comes with Dion. No, but I mean, I think Kalen DeBoer would be a knockout hire. Mike Norvell, you know, I got a lot of buddies that are Bama fans. In fact, I do the show every once in a while with a kid, PJ Glasser, uh, who hosts a show on our network. He's a big Bama guy, and he said Mike Norvell would be out in three years. He wants Kalen DeBoer. um, You know, he even brought up that he would take Dabo. I I wouldn't want Dabo, like I said, though. So if I couldn't have Kalen DeBoer, it probably would be Lane, man. I would want Lane over Stark, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, because there's so many names available, obviously, but – it's gonna be. There's gonna be so much pressure that you have to. You know, you worry about some of these guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And also, we know that Bill Belichick and uh, and Nick Saban are good friends. Bill Belichick's gonna be done here. It looks like. Do you think he'll get another job? Because it seems like he's a ball coach. He's still gonna want to coach ball. Do you think there's people in the NFL that will think about hiring him once this whole thing goes through uh, and he, he he and the uh, Patriots part ways?
3: Yeah, I definitely think that he's going to be doing something, right? I mean, I couldn't see Bill, though, as a defensive coordinator because Bill has to be in full control. And look at some of these dumpster fire organizations. Like, I live here in D.C. I can yeah. see Bill coming here, you know, and, and taking over. And, then, and I mean, Josh Harris, who's now taken over the commanders, he's smart, man. I mean, I don't know what, what Bob Myers, like what some of these guys are going to be able to do. But he has kind of, like, admitted, like, hey, I got the money and I want to turn this thing around, and I'm a fan, but I also have no clue how to run an NFL organization. And I'm cool with that because some of these guys, man, that buy teams uh, or become general managers, like they think that they know the football stuff, and they clearly don't. So he's going to surround himself with smart people. And I think if you hire Bill, you need like a really good, obviously, an offensive coordinator. And who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Josh McDaniels? Is he going to find work? Like, is he going to be a package deal with Bill? Because if you're like, if, if I'm the Chargers, maybe Bill makes sense because you have Justin Herbert, and maybe you could convince Kel- Kellen Moore to stick around. You kind of have the offensive side of the ball figured out. The defense has just been a dumpster fire because Bill could still coach defense. Of course. So I just worry, like, a little bit about some of these older guys. Like, Sabin's a little bit different, man, because uh, that's college. But in the NFL, a guy like Bill Belichick, we heard about those final couple of years where Brady was there, and who was it, Julian Edelman, just said, like, yeah, Bill was our coach, but we played for Tom Brady. And you'd hear about those the team meetings. They'd be watching film, and Bill would start ripping into Tom Brady. It was like season 16. He already had five rings or whatever, and Bill was still going off on him. You worry about that, like, with some of these younger guys. They're making so much money. And a lot of these coaches, these are guys like Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, these young guys, these player coaches. You know what I mean? Bill, like, picking apart guys. I just – I don't know that guys want to play for guys like Bill anymore. But if you want to win, I mean, I'd probably still play for Bill. So I I do think he's doing something. I do think he has a job. I just don't know where, man. Maybe Washington.
2: Yeah. Now, we know the void left behind by Nick Saban. There's definitely a void left behind by Bill Belichick with the uh, with the Patriots. Vrabes, we, we, I was surprised that the Titans yeah. parted ways, but it kind of made sense when you read the tea leaves. He didn't really like the hiring of Rand Carthon. He felt like he may have been a sort of coach GM type guy, and I don't know if the Titans were ready to go do that with him. But do you think Vrabes could be the next guy that steps in in uh, New England?
3: Yeah, that makes complete sense. I kind of – figured that that was going to happen, that he would be the next guy. I mean, he's Bill Belichick light. He's the Bill Belichick disciple. And I think Braves is – Ben Johnson's going to be the hottest name. Um, right. But I think Vrabel right now, other than we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. We'll see where Belichick goes. But I think Braves is the best option, to be quite honest with you, man, especially him going back to New England. Dude, he is – especially if you're a sports bettor. There's never been a better coach as an underdog. When Mike Vrabel is a four- or four-and-a-half-point underdog or more, he has 12 outright wins, not That's even nuts. just covering the spread. You know what I mean? And, and right. everybody's like, well, what, that, what does that have to do with anything? And I'm like, well, why is he always a four-point underdog yet he's had the number one seed in the AFC and home field advantage a couple of years ago? Because look at these teams. They commit a bunch of money to Ryan Tannehill. I love Derrick Henry, but they pretty much run him into the ground. He's 80% of the offense. If I did a man-on-the-street interview in Washington, D.C., named me three Tennessee Titan wide receivers the last three years, nobody would get that answer, right? They traded away A.J. Brown for absolutely nothing, a top three wide receiver. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, even the D-hop moves made no sense this year. They should have just blown that whole thing up. And on the defensive side of the ball, he gets the most out of those guys, but he never has household names. So I just think Ravel's a great coach. I think New England would be a great situation for him to go back. He obviously knows defense. And uh, he's a player's coach. You know, you've never heard any player that's played for Mike Brable have a bad thing to say about him. But we've heard some of these guys that don't want to play for Bill anymore. You know what I mean? So with Braves, I think that'd be the knockout hire for New England. And it makes so much sense. If not there, what about... Man, if I'm Ohio State, I'm making a phone call right now to Mike Vrabel. I'm not sold on Ryan Day. And if Jim Harbaugh were to leave Michigan, I would love to see Vrabel at Michigan. The thing is, a lot of these NFL guys aren't going to want to go to the college game because you have to work year-round, especially now. It's all recruiting, whereas with the NFL, you at least get a couple months off.
2: Mm -hmm. Now talk with Ryan Horvat on X, at Ryan Horvat. just the one T. Now let's get to Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, I'll tell you two things I hate. Two things I hate off the top. I hate the Dolphins because of the weather Uh, going into Kansas City, and it's going to be, you know, uh, zero or sub-zero temperatures. There's been blizzard-like conditions all week. And also, I do not like Steelers versus Bills. Um, I don't like the Steelers because TJ Watts out. You got to get pressure on Josh Allen. I don't know if they can do that at the same level without him on the field. I'm pretty positive they can't do that at the same level without him on the field. Um, those are the two I hate. But what do you like? How about that? What do you like, super, super Wild Card Weekend?
3: All right, yeah, I like quite a bit. So, um, let's see, my favorite, the first bet that I placed was Rams plus four. They're down to three. I still like the Rams at that number. I know they're kind of the trendy dog, the trendy pick because of the Matthews Stafford angle and storyline, him going back to face Detroit, his former team. But I just, man, I think right now the Rams are the better team. Um, They're going to score a lot of points. They're the number two offense by DVOA the second half of the season. The only offense that's been better the second half of the season is the San Francisco 49ers. And the Lions defense, their pass defense has not been very good. They have a solid pass rush, and they're good against the run. But now they're going against Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, and Puka, and the Rams have won seven of eight games. Like they're hot right now. Since the bye, seven of eight they've won. Their only loss was an overtime to the Ravens. They could have won that game. And they've scored thirty one point three points per game over their last six games. They've scored at least twenty six points in all six before they rested their starters on Sunday because that game didn't mean anything. And I know the Rams don't have a great pass defense, but all of a sudden, uh like the last eight weeks of the season, they're top ten against the run. And now That's how you stop Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, obviously. Um, And the Lions knock out Sam Laporta for whatever reason. Like, I get playing your starters maybe for a quarter, but you lose Sam Laporta and uh, Cleve Raymond as well for this game. So I like the Rams, man, the way that they're trending. And I think they knock off Detroit. I feel kind of bad cheering against Detroit, betting against Detroit. They haven't won the division since 1992. Literally, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana were on tour last (laughs) time they won the division. But I just... I like the way the Rams are trending right now, man. So that was my first bet. Um, See, here's the thing. I'm with you. I think the Chiefs win the game, but we got from three to four and a half, and now I have to bet the Dolphins because here's the thing. Everybody's going to make the case against the Dolphins because they're a warm-weather team. Because it's Tua, a Hawaiian quarterback. It's going to be what? Let's see right now. It's projected to be uh, five below at kickoff. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bet the Dolphins. Even though they're minus 91 point differential against playoff teams, they've only beat one playoff team this season. They have a ton of injuries. They have no pass rushers left. They lose Jalen Phillips. They lost they Nick Chubb. They added okay, a bunch of old guys, though. Yeah, now we got to rely on Melvin Ingram. Bruce, the reason I like them, Bruce Irvin, I and all, all these guys, gonna, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, Clay Matthews is going to be out there rushing. Yeah, right, exactly. But what they're going to be able to do, I think, is you have um, Mike McDaniel, obviously, who is a former run game coordinator for San Francisco and one of the better play callers in the league. And I think the Dolphins are going to be able to run the ball. The Chiefs are dead last in run-stop win rate. Chris Jones is their best defensive lineman. He's more of a pass rusher. They're 28th in EPA per rush allowed. That's their weakness. And Miami all of a sudden has a top-ten offensive line running the ball, even though they've had a bunch of injuries. This is going to be the healthiest they've been. And even with those injuries, they're third in rushing efficiency, and they're battle-tested. they played a top-ten schedule against run defenses this season. And so that's the Chiefs' defense. Like They're built to play with leads because it's Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. They have really good pass rushers and a good secondary. That's the other thing everybody's going to talk about is their pass rushers against Tua because when Tua is kept clean, he's a top-ten quarterback, number three in the league. When under pressure, he's outside the top 20. But to really get to Tua and bother him, you have to get natural pressure. Against the Blitz, which Spags loves to do, Kansas City's blitzing at the seventh highest rate, Tua is greater than number one quarterback in the league against the Blitz. He only has one turnover-worthy play against the Blitz. So that's what this comes down to, man. Like They like to blitz Trent, Trent McDuffie. I think the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball a little bit and keep this close, even in the cold weather. So I took them at 4.5, but I do think the Chiefs end up winning the game. I hate betting against Mahomes and Andy Reed and Darrowhead.
2: Yeah, now uh, I want to go ahead to Monday. We have Eagles visiting the Buccaneers. Eagles are three-point favorites. The Eagles have been miserable down the stretch of the season. I mean, awful. Um, on both sides of the ball, people will point to defense. I think offense has had their struggles as well. They were playing with fire through the whole first part of the season, and then we saw them get burned down the stretch. Um, they did get lucky, though. I think this matchup's about as good as they could ask for. It'll be a relatively warm weather game. Don't have to worry about the cold, even though they'd be fine in the cold. But how do you feel about the Eagles heading into the playoffs? It's hard to feel good, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting to fade the Eagles. I just don't think this is the week to fade the Eagles. I did bet, my favorite bet this week is you can still get it at 21. I bet the first half under 21 and a half. And I know how bad the Eagles' defense has been, like 30th against the pass right now. Matt Patricia has way too much say right now. Uh, In my opinion, he's terrible, but... I still think this is going to be a lower scoring first half. I think the game probably goes over in the second half, but I don't like the way that the Bucks' offense is training right now with the dinged up Baker Mayfield. And I haven't liked the Eagles all season on the offensive side of the ball because with Shane Steichen, everything was up-tempo. I mean, you know what I mean? And now they're walking to the line of scrimmage. If you watch Jalen's snapping the ball with like two seconds, one second on the clock every single time. And also like his fingers hanging off his hand. He's been dealing with a bunch of injuries. They got A.J. Brown hurt. Um, the run game isn't what it was last year. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to feel good about with the Eagles, but I just I can't fade them this week because it's Todd Bowles, it's a beat-up Baker Mayfield, and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. And this opened at two and a half, and there's some cheap money lines. It's three right now. I think the Eagles win this week, and then they're probably in big trouble against Dallas, big trouble against San Francisco. Although, like as bad as it looks right now, would you be shocked if they win this week and they go into Dallas and beat the Cowboys? No. Because I wouldn't, man, because I think they're two fraudulent teams. I would be shocked if the Eagles, especially after what we saw a couple weeks ago, were able to...
4: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
5: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's
0: why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: to beat the Niners or even the Rams. I think both of those teams knock them out, but I want to be shocked if they won a couple playoff games just because the NFC is so weak, man.
2: Yeah, and I know you're a Packers guy. How do you feel about them against the Cowboys?
3: <laughs> oh, man. So, I know like John Martin and everybody loves Green Bay. I keep getting all these text messages and everybody loves them so much that this opened to 8 and now we're all the way down to 7, which I'm shocked. And here's the thing, right? I'm a Green Bay fan and Jordan Love looks like the real deal. Looks like I was wrong about Jordan Love. He proved it. The last eight weeks of the season, man. One turnover, like his A dot. he's pushing the ball down the field. They have all these wide receivers. Even though they have the youngest wide receiver room in the league, this is the youngest playoff team in NFL history. But here's the concern. I get why people like Green Bay because of the offense, especially the way that they're running the ball right now. Aaron Jones has three straight games over 100 rushing yards, and Dallas can't stop the run. But in a shootout, and a total where you know, in a game where I should say where the total is about fifty-two and a half, fifty and a half, I uh, I still like Dallas, man. If we're like six and a half, seven, anything under a touchdown, I just I can't see Mike McCarthy losing to Green Bay. That means the Packers fired Mike McCarthy a few years ago and now cost him a job in Dallas. And the other thing is, it's Joe Barry as your defensive yeah. coordinator. And I know they were, look good against Minnesota and Chicago, two divisional opponents. But let's remember the quarterbacks that have torched Joe Barry and the Packers the last month. Bryce Young had his first career 300-yard passing game. Uh, Baker Mayfield had the second-ever perfect QB rating at Lambeau Field. In Lambeau Field history, there's been two quarterbacks that have had a perfect QB rating. Aaron Rodgers, of course, and Baker frickin' Mayfield against Joe Barry in that defense, right? Um, who else? Oh, Tommy DeVito. Uh, Tommy DeVito was NFC player of the week against the Green Bay Packers. That was like a month ago. Two weeks later, he was back-to-bagging groceries. So what I'm saying is uh, that's why I don't trust Green Bay, man. If if it's seven right now, I like Dallas. If we get back to seven and a half, eight, maybe the Packers could keep the game close because of that offense. But, yeah, man, I think Dallas is the better team. I can't see McCarthy losing to Green Bay again. If he does, though, he's gone, and maybe that's that mystery team that's in on Bill Belichick. And wouldn't that make complete sense? Bill mm-hmm. going to Dallas, Jerry letting him do whatever he wants. Yeah, that does.
2: Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> on that Packers front, you brought up Aaron Rodgers as uh, one of the two quarterbacks at Lambeau Field with a perfect QBR. Um, what do you think about all this Pat McAfee nonsense? I know you're a noted uh, Aaron Rodgers fan, but it's it's becoming yeah. harder
3: and harder by the day to be
2: a uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers fan.
4: Yeah,
3: like I tell everybody, I haven't had like as far as like athletes. I haven't had a guy that like an idol or anything. I mean, I'm way too old now, but I met Michael Jordan when I was in the fourth grade and asked him for an autograph. And he pretty much told me to go F myself. <laughs> you know, they told me like Jordan will sign a ball for you for a hundred bucks, but he doesn't talk to kids before the games. And I was like, all right, yeah, no more heroes for me. And like Aaron Rodgers, I was a big fan of his and I covered the team for a couple of years. And I like Aaron to be honest. I think he's an interesting guy. Um, I think he's changed a lot. He, I think he's, kind of goofy, um, but you know, it's it's gotten to the point where I just, I hate having to read about it, or when he goes on, ma- I'm so glad now that he's done for the season, right, because every time he goes on there, my Twitter starts to blow up, and I'm like, guys, I'm 37 years old now, I have a 10-year-old kid, like, unless he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing at school, like, I don't care about other people's actions, to be right. quite honest with you, he's one of the greatest throwers of the football of all time, but this stuff has gotten so insane, I mean, Like, the Jimmy Kimmel stuff, it's just, yeah. The
2: thing I don't get about Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, I I talked about this yesterday, he's got football, or he's got, like, uh, athlete brain, and I don't mean that in, like, a CTE type of way, I mean that in, he likens himself being one of the best quarterbacks of all time to being one of the smartest people in the room at all times. And I just don't know if that's, I, I, I don't think that's the case. In fact, it is not the case.
3: Well, what's, what's, what's scary about that, though, is he is, like, a literal genius. Now, I'm not saying, like, with these like with, with his theories and whatnot and his stances on COVID and, and, and whatnot. You know, I don't care about any right. of that. But the scary thing is how smart he is. Like, Jimmy Kimmel, I agree with kind of with what Dan Levitard said, like, with, with Kimmel, though. Like, dude, you had so much time to prepare, and your seven-minute monologue comeback is about how he's dumb. Like, he's not dumb. That's the thing. Like, yeah, he went to community college at Butte Community College. Because he only had one division one offer and it was at Illinois. He didn't want to go play at Illinois. That's why he went to community college. Then he went to Cal. If it was just based off grades, Rogers could have went wherever he wanted. Like Mm -hmm. look at his Wonderlich score, look at his test scores. That's that's actually how him and Far of the Beef started. You know, Rogers was always very smart and a wise ass, and Brett I believe Brett has one of the worst Wonderlich scores like in NFL history. Um, obviously like not the brightest bulb, and Rogers was the smart ass. So they would always, like, Rogers would, you know, would clown him and say, hey, Brett, what did you score on the test? And that's uh, that's where the beef started, actually. Brett was like, who's this smart-ass kid from Cal? So that's the scary thing, man, is he's book smart, but he's, I got buddies like this, you know, and I don't talk to him as much anymore. But like, <laughs> you know, Netflix, especially during the pandemic when we had a lot of downtime and there was no sports they started watching all these documentaries, you know, and I'm a Joe Rogan guy, but they listen to, like, way too much Joe Rogan, and then they're calling me about, like, the 9-foot, 11-foot aliens in the Miami Mall. Right, exactly, and yes. The, the Epstein list and stuff. And I'm like, guys, like, just just pump the brakes a little bit. Like, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Now, um, yeah. uh, are we watching Pat McAfee self-sabotage himself? Because what was it? Yesterday we got all the reports – about Aaron Rodgers not joining Pat McAfee the rest of the year. Now, Pat McAfee came out and cleared it up. He said it usually is a season thing. We've cut it off at the end of the season. But he had him on today. (laughs) He had him on today, and they've already gone after two separate ESPN executives. One was Aaron Rodgers going after one. One was Pat McAfee going after one. I I feel like we're watching self-sabotage from Pat McAfee, and I sort of wonder if he wants out of that ESPN contract and he feels like it's not a good fit
3: yeah i mean i already forgot about today to be quite honest with you i i I have no idea what's going on there because you got obviously a tremendous deal where if you just play ball you're making a ton of money and you know i know mcafee's his own guy he doesn't have an agent uh but yeah I, i i don't know how this ends well right now with what's going on at espn and i gotta be honest like i like the show i was a bigger fan of the show before the espn deal Right, like most things i mean
2: I think it's built for where it was before. YouTube, FanDuel, right. that type of thing. I think it was more built for that than network television.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, I thought Barstool made sense at first, and then he got too big for Barstool, wanted to make his own cash. I completely understood that. But now, yeah, the whole ESPN deal, it's, just, it's almost like not the same show. I find some of the stuff kind of funny, though, because, um, yeah, I've hung out with, like, A.J. Hawk a couple times. I think he's a really cool dude. But I don't. I also don't understand like what his role is. I'm his face is just talking. up there.
2: His face is just there,
3: saying eight yeah, words at a time. So, you, you know what? You know what worries me a little bit about Max, he do super talented. Like, I used like to wrestle at SummerSlam. Um, I think I, I. I don't love him on game day because I'm one of those like get off my lawn guys. I, like I know you're a big college football guy, and you could just tell like yeah he likes college football. But like we like I like David Pollock. like Pol- Pol- Like I like the yeah. regular college football guys. You know what I mean. But with McAfee, doesn't it seem like he really, really worries and like he's really concerned about who thinks like like he's a little bit of a clown? I don't know how to I don't know how to put this like on social media. I saw he was like he explains kind of himself. The show. He
2: explains himself a lot. If that's what you're getting at, like he, it seems like he is yeah. very concerned and caught up with what other people are talking about on the on the on, on social media and everything else.
3: Yeah, he had this, like, weird tweet where he was like, you know, I, I know a lot of you are new to the program. We're just trying to have fun, blah, right. blah, blah. You know, and I was like, why are, you, why are you trying to explain the show, dude? I mean, you have a ton of fans already. And so who really cares about what the outsiders that don't even watch the show are saying? I I don't know. I just want to see <laughs> how it ends. It gets, probably not well, though. But, what, like, what is going on right now? The Stephen A. Smith stuff I thought was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Going after Whitlock? Body bag Whitlock? I feel like the sports media game right now, like it's becoming like the East Coast, West Coast rap game, like in the late oh. 90s. Like we got Stephen A. Smith dropping like diss tracks to Whitlock. Like right. Kind of like hit him up. Almost he, a little like, WWE style,
2: how we're doing it.
3: I mean, the way that he st- he's like, you fat bastard. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I like, I don't like Jason Whitlock, but um, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I, I thought that was really good. I yep. try to like stay away, obviously from that kind of stuff. But, watching anybody go after Jason Whitlock. I love seeing.
2: Now, last thing for Ryan Horvat, a uh, host of Bet MGM tonight and Odyssey sports betting insider. He's on X at Ryan Horvat. Just the one T. I always tell you that. Now, um, you did an internship at 670 score in Chicago, and I think most of the conversations around the Bears right now are about that number one overall pick and what they're going to do with the draft, with Justin Fields looking a lot better down the stretch of the season. What, what do you think happens? Where Where are you at on how they should go about this? Caleb Williams, start over the quarterback clock, yeah. or, or stick by Justin Fields?
3: Man, you know what's crazy? I almost feel like the Commanders for the first time ever are in such a great spot with that number two pick, because that number two pick, you just don't even have to think about it. You take Drake May, and I think Drake May might end up being the best quarterback in this draft, but you have to take Caleb if you have the number one overall pick. Yep. And if you're Chicago, I like Justin Fields. But how do you feel comfortable with Justin Fields right now? I mean, every game I watch Justin Fields is the same game, man. And I know you could blame the offensive line and the weapons. And Getsey. And Getze. Getse. Let's not let's not let's Getse. not forget about Getze. Oh, for sure. But in the fourth quarter, you know, there's the fumbles, there's the interceptions, and it's like He's got, uh, if you got a chance to draft Caleb Williams, it's just because Ryan Pace drafted Mitchell Trubisky over uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And then he got another chance because he got to draft Justin Fields. He's no longer there. So the new GM, Ryan Poles, has no attachment to Justin Fields. So I think if you're him, you have to take Caleb Williams because we hear these Caleb Williams. Patrick Mahomes' comps, I don't think he's as good as Patrick Mahomes. He's a little bit smaller. But I think Caleb Williams is awesome. I think he's going to be awesome. I think him and Drake May are going to be really good. I think Jaden Daniels is going to be really good. Um, So I think you have to go quarterback, man, because you have to now commit to paying Justin Fields. You haven't really had a whole lot of time to evaluate because, like you said, Getty's gone. You're going to have to bring in a new play caller. I would rather just start clean right now, take Caleb Williams, You know, the offensive line played much better the second half of the season. You have weapons. I like DJ Moore. Cole Komet had a monster season. You're overpaying him, but he had a pretty good season at the tight end position. So I would take I would have to go Caleb Williams, man. You know what I mean? Because Ryan Pools doesn't have an attachment. And if he goes with Fields and Fields is just a career loser, seven eight game win and can't beat Green Bay, you know, you're probably working at the same grocery store that that Ryan Pace is right now.
2: Yeah, it's it's the it's the money conversation. You start over the quarterback clock anew, and you feel like at least yeah. you know Caleb Williams is probably a, a bit more of a talent than Justin Fields. Although I don't think it's as as big of a talent gap as as we thought earlier in the year when Justin Fields was really struggling. I do think Luke Getze and that offensive play calling really hampered him. He was forcing a lot, right? Like he's in a prove it year trying to remain in the NFL, trying to remain a starter with the bears. And they weren't giving him anything downfield. They weren't drawing up, um, drawing up things to really make him successful. There were some games down the stretch of the season where you saw it. uh, But I think for the most part, he was hampered by that play calling. Um, But I, 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 am still a fan of Justin Fields. I still think he can be a starter in this league. I really do.
3: I'd love to see him in Atlanta. I mean, You trade him to Atlanta, I I don't think Atlanta's going to give up a first for him because why would you give up a first when you could just move up and draft Jaden Daniels, who's probably like a lighter version of Lamar Jackson but more accurate. You know what I mean? So I I think he could be great elsewhere, especially there with all that speed. Maybe in Vegas, who knows? But, like, in Chicago, I just feel like now, yeah. yeah. I I just feel like with the new coaching staff, new coordinator – new general manager, you got to get your guy. If it's any other year, like if it's next year and your options are Quinn Ewers and J.J. McCarthy, I ride with Justin <laughs> right. Fields. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, just because it's Caleb Williams. Drake or maybe May, all May, all these guys. You know, I feel like you have to you have to go quarterback. Yeah. And it's tough and, for Justin Fields, but that's the league now.
2: And if I'm reading the situation, I saw Mark Grody, who does the uh, – he's on the Bears Radio Network – Um, He put out a tweet yesterday basically saying that uh, Ryan Poles and everybody in the front office, they're going to try to find reasons to keep Justin Fields. If I'm reading that situation correctly, if you have to find reasons, you're probably going to go quarterback. You're probably going to go Caleb Williams and move off of Justin Fields. If you have to find reasons to keep somebody, that generally does not uh, bode well for that person.
3: Exactly, he said something like, "You know, Justin Fields. We've obviously saw some good. He's made some improvements, but we're in a unique situation. That right there, I read is like, okay, we're taking Caleb, <laughs> yes, exactly, or Drake May,
2: you yes, know, for sure, for sure. Well, Ryan, <laughs> I, I appreciate. Because uh,
3: one last thing, Gabe is like, yeah. what do you, what do you do? I mean, do you trade that pick back or? I'm not taking Marvin Harrison at number one. No, Isn't it crazy. I don't think there's a huge drop off from Marvin Harrison to Malik Neighbors to some of these other guys. This might be the best Roma Dunsey the last decade. Dude. Well, and then also, you know I mean? uh, not- but
2: this is a conversation I have every year, almost drag and drop. Wide receiver uh-huh. classes are always strong now because of what yes. they do at the at the college level. These guys are savants and route running, converting routes. They understand how to play for the most
3: part. So. Look at the I, Packers, for example. Right. And like, like Wicks, Dobbs, Watson, and all of a sudden Jordan Love. You, you like, can so find value late in the <laughs> draft
2: with wide receivers, too. I mean, it's just it, yeah. every year you just sort of drag and drop, oh, is this the deepest wide receiver class ever? And generally, I, I sort of buy into it. But uh, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens, yeah. though. But, Ryan, I appreciate it, man. Great stuff, as always. <laughs> we'll do it again next week. Thanks,
3: Gabe. Enjoy the weekend, man.
2: Yes, sir. You, too. That was host of BetMGM Tonight. and odyssey sports betting insider ryan horvat on x at ryan horvat insider calls presented by BetMGM. go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app now we need to go ahead and transition into the blitz and uh we have to get to an alabama conversation dan lanning has officially announced that he's going to stay at oregon so what's my short list looking like i'll tell you next 92.9 fm
0: espn now, the biggest stories overloading the line. A bull rush of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, Memphis's sports station.
2: Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to get into the Blitz, which is always brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Connor, we have one very big conversation to have today. Let's get into it.
4: With all the smoke around Dan Lanning to Alabama, it turns out that's all that was. There was no fire as Dan Lanning announces he will remain at Oregon. So, move down that list. Who should Alabama turn their attention to?
2: All right, so I, I will get into my list and my short list here in just a moment. But um, they sort of have an an emergency presser, if you will, on ESPN. Reese Davis and Nick Saban. Um, and obviously, I talked about the void he's going to leave behind. Fifth all-time wins. Uh, seven national championships. Um, But I think people were looking for closure um, because I think yesterday really was an emotional day for a lot of college football fans with Nick Saban stepping away. But he did sort of give a little bit of closure with Reese Davis. Now, this is a longer clip, but I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. Go ahead and play, it, Connor.
5: Why did you decide that this was the right time to retire? Well, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach, because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever, and that got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, It was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to, Uh, took a little little more out of me than usual and you know when people mentioned the health issue it was really just the grind of can you do this the way you want to do it can you do it the way you've always done it and be able to sustain it and do it for the entire season and if i couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future uh... the way i, I think i have to do it um, i thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh... that um, like I said, there's never a good time, uh, but I thought maybe this was the right time.
4: So there's no there's no illness, it's just the grind and the gruel of the
5: season. Yeah, there's no illness. Miss Terry's fine, I'm fine, um, but it was the, can you sustain the season, you know, from just a, a mental grind standpoint. Um, and I, you know, when I was young, you know, I could work till two in the morning, get up at six and be there the next day and be full of energy and go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that.
2: Now, uh, I, will, I will say, um, I'm glad to hear that there's no health issues. That's, that's first and foremost. But if you're just listening to that entire clip, he's tired. He's tired. The, the recruiting calendar is horrible. You have to stay in work late hours. He's 72 years old. You have to work on not just recruiting players in the transfer portal in high school. You have to retain your roster. It's just a lot. And and, and listen, I thought even since NIL and the transfer portal, he has done a really good job of adjusting. But even with that adjustment, there comes a time when you have to be real with yourself at your advanced age. Can I continue to do this? And he talked about it. Can I sustain this level of work? And it just feels like he's not there right now. And we saw a lot. I mean, what was it? it was it was a bunch of different uh, college basketball coaches retiring at the same time a few years ago because of the calendar, because of transfer portal, because of NIL on the way. There's just a lot of different things for older coaches that just become hard to maintain and manage over the years. And, and I think it's it was very well said. And I think that's a perfect clip to sort of describe
4: why Nick Saban's moving away. And it's very very understandable. If anybody has earned time off, it's Nick Saban. It's, I am, (laughs) I am truly sad to see him go. Um, he's a staple of college football. He's the greatest that has ever done it and probably will ever do it. I'm going to miss him. I will miss him. The good news is, though, in this interview as well, he was also asked, what do you think about the future? And he did say that broadcasting would be something that he would like to do. So that would be fun, yeah. having Nick around. Having him around
2: as a voice in college yeah, a football. A voice in college
4: football. And then, I don't know if you saw this, too, they're giving him an office in the stadium. <laughs> I would
2: imagine. I would imagine. So I figured that. He's an said, advisor of some He said some he's sort. still
4: going to get on their asses. So uh, that that's fun. But, man, it's... It's it's an end of an era. We throw that phrase around a lot, but it yeah. is
2: truly the end of an era. And if you're wondering about like the taxing nature of college football and the recruiting calendar, look no further than just like the transfer portal. Players have 30 days now that he's retired to hop into the portal. Um, we haven't even reached the late signing day. Uh, his number nine overall recruit Ryan Williams decommitted. Um, they still have number two recruiting class. So whoever takes over—that's according to 247. Whoever takes over will be fine there. But whoever comes in is going to have to focus on retention because of the calendar and the, and the way, it, way it shapes up. And Greg Byrne yesterday told the team, we want to have a decision in three days, in 72 hours. So uh, it just shows it just shows how quickly things have to be turned around to maintain the level of success Alabama has enjoyed all these years. Now to Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, uh, that's how he started this thing. He is, said he's going to stay at Oregon. And I'm not, I mean, I, you know. I'm I'm halfway surprised because Alabama is a top two job and it may not be two, okay. And you're gonna get a lot of money and you get a lot of uh, you know resources at your disposal. You have a fan base that's rabid, but I think you know if you read through all of it, Dan Lanning, really good relationship with Phil Knight and Nike. Uh, really likes Oregon as a whole. They're headed to the Big Ten, one of the top two conferences. He still can make the same amount of money at Oregon if he continues this success. He'll get to ten million, eleven million dollars a year if he continues that sort of track record. He's already twenty two and five. Okay, in two years, so I think that you know, if you read through it, it kind of makes sense for Dan Landing not to just hop out and go elsewhere. He's already getting some of the best talent. He's already doing well in the transfer portal. He 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 has it made at Oregon. Now, as far as the short list is concerned after Dan Landing, because that was my number one guy. That was most people's number one guy. Um, I, I, I think it goes in order for me, one through three. Mike Norvell at Florida State. We're talking about, about a guy who's 23-4 and four in the last two years. Turned around that Florida State program after Willie Taggart left it in just disarray. Um, so I really like him at number one, my former coach. Two, I'm going to go Steve Sarkeesian here. Uh, I, I, I know what The past with alcohol abuse when he was at USC, but you cannot deny what he was able to do, what he has been able to do at Texas. He's recruiting at a high level, similar resources um, at Texas as Alabama. So I think he'll be able to do that at a high level as well. And again, Alabama recruits itself. So that's sort of a side discussion. Um, you could take and, arch with him, and he could take a arch. He's got a <laughs> lot. Of, he's got a lot of different things at his disposal. And then three, I think, De DeBoer, and I think he is the favorite right now, according to BetOnline.ag. Ten, uh, you know, he he is the guy. He is the guy that a lot of people are looking at right now, and he's been phenomenal at Washington. Offensive-minded guy. It'll be a switch up, no question. But I think he sort of fits the mold even more so than even Sark or, or Mike Norvell of sort of Saban-esque. He's quiet behind the scenes. Loves on his players, but also gets after their ass at times. But he, he tries to keep a low profile for the most part. And I think that plays well with that Alabama fan base. So I go Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, in that order. Now Dabo Sweeney has come up. <laughs> Boo! Um, one, the fan base is pissed about it. Right?
4: Like, if that happens, the fan base will revolt. They were quite literally chanting outside the stadium yesterday. Anyone but Dabo.
2: Anyone but Dabo, exactly. Um, he feels like an outside candidate at this point. Five years ago, I wouldn't have said that. You know, well, five Alabama, years ago,
4: he felt like the number one.
2: Alabama-born son, you know, the whole thing, wanted that job, was had great success, but it's, it's fallen off. And, and if you've been following Dabo through the Clemson um, sort of era uh, as of late, the last few years, he was frustrated with Clemson fans and their expectations. Wait till you see Bama's, buddy. <laughs> Wait till you see Bama's. You can't go 9-3 and three and expect to keep that job and keep those fans happy. Um, also, it, it, this this sort of goes without saying. We've talked about it all year. Connor and I have gotten on Dabo's case. He hasn't been as good on the field. He had not made the playoff since 2020 with Clemson, even with uh, you know really good recruiting classes. And Clemson has had as many losses the last three years as he had the previous eight. That's 12 losses. So... I just feel like Dabo is going to be an afterthought. Uh, and at one time, you thought that he was the number one guy. I still think Lane Kiffin can be in this conversation, although I don't know how he, all of his antics and his his fun plays with that Alabama fan base. Um, but but I think Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, Dabo Sweeney on the outside looking in. I do want to make... make a mention of this because I put it out on my ex-account, G underscore Coon, 71. There's a lot of Memphis ties going on with this Alabama. There certainly is. Yeah, Dan Lanning was the first guy. He, he's going to stay at Oregon. Uh, Mike Norvell, second guy on my list here. And he, uh, he was obviously the head coach, my head coach when we were at Memphis. There is just a tremendous amount of coaching talent that's come through Memphis. Justin Fuente, Barry Odom, um, you keep going down the line. Um, Kenny Dillingham's now at Arizona State. Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, uh, Ryan Walters was a, was a on staff. Uh, who's the Purdue head coach? He was on staff with uh, Fuente as a defensive backs coach. So I, 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 you know, in the end of the day, Memphis is. If you just look back at this run, yeah, we can talk about the player talent the in this Memphis run, been nuts. But the coaching talent is absolutely insane. It's insane, guys at the highest of levels, making these multi million dollar contracts, doing really good jobs in their stops. So. Um, I just had to point that out. I, of course, I had to revert it back to Memphis, didn't I?
4: Well, of course, keeping keep there, Norvell did send out a tweet today. He did tweet. He is broken. Because he's silence. still on the recruiting train to be a Florida State Seminole, big man coming to no family. He got and Terrence Ferguson, the, the offensive guard from Future Alabama, who hopped in the transfer Tallahassee.
2: Yeah. So, I, but here's the thing: you sent me that. It, it, I've seen, I've seen guys uh, transition to another job. Having said more than that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to stay here forever, and then they... Listen, we, we all
4: know who the agent is, too.
2: Yes. That could have been a, hey, man, you trying to get some more money? Speaking of which, Jimmy Sexton, <laughs> my gosh, everybody's going to get a raise over there, aren't they?
4: Yeah. My, you know, I interviewed him in high school. Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. It was I, just... I, yeah. I didn't realize how powerful he was when I was talking to him. <laughs> like, halfway through the interview, I was like, oh, my God. It's honestly
2: nuts. Yeah, it was nuts. All these coaches. If, you, if you're a high-profile coach, you get Jimmy Sexton to be your agent. But... Everybody's going to get a raise over there with Jimmy. I'll tell you that much. Now, that'll do it for the Blitz. Need to go ahead and wrap this show up. We'll do that next with the rewind right here on 929 FM ESPN.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. <laughs>